All right. Hello out there and welcome back to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. It is August 9th, 2019. And this week, this week, I'm joined by, of course, Anne Mazinga. What's up? What's up? And Neil Thomas. Hey, guys. Now, unfortunately, Carter's not with us this week, but we wish him well. He is on location. Just something I've always wanted to say. <laughs> but, no, he's, he's on location. He's on Carter. location. Yeah, he's actually working. So unfortunately, couldn't make it with be here uh, and, and and make it in the studio this week. Uh, but we miss him. And Carter, this one is for you. Now I gotta say I'm pretty pumped, uh, literally, because we all just worked out together right before this podcast. How'd you guys find that? It's more information than any anyone needs. But yes, um, we we try to maintain our physical and mental health here at Third House and OmniTalk. That's a big part of what we do. It's a big right? part of wellness. Yeah, and we'll probably get into that more. But but Neil, you had a pretty good analogy for what the experience was like. I mean, I would say that I saw Anne today, and uh, I would say that her new nickname is Anne the Machine Mazenga. I was watching uh, Captain Marvel last night, and I feel like she appeared this afternoon as she did laps on the Anne rap on me today. I'm so, going to say new it's, goals. it's definitely uh, the fan from the bike that... And anytime anybody gets in front of a fan, you turn into Beyonce. So I, I'm going to give the <laughs> fan full credit. <laughs> so you pre larson the bike. That's what we got here. And how is Captain Marvel actually as a movie? I haven't seen it yet. Ooh, What's your rating? Um, One to ten before we get to the news wow. of the week. I would say as far as superhero movies go, if you include the DC Universe, I would say it's probably an eight. Uh, Whoa, Really? Yeah, I mean, well, one, the DC Universe is pretty terrible. Yeah, that, that brings the bar down. Oh. So that brings yeah. the bar down. But so with the rest of the Marvel Universe, so it's pretty high. I would say it's slightly above average for Marvel Universe, better than almost all the Thor movies. I'll say that. Yeah, I have not seen it, Anne. Have you seen it? No, I didn't even know that DC was a bad thing. I thought 8 was good. What happened? Uh, a few things. So DC is like the Justice League movies and the Superman movies, which basically the last 20 years have all been terrible. Okay. The only good DC movies are the Dark Knight movies, Christopher Nolan. Shout yeah, for out sure. Mr. Yeah. Chicago yeah. there. I'd agree. And if anyone disagrees, please let us know. Yeah. Or, we... or not. That's fine too. <laughs> Either way. Don't it was, feel pressure. It was a well-written film. So I think everyone should watch it. It is a uh, new opening in terms of the comic book era where we have women superheroes. Nice. It's, so, on my, it's on my list. I haven't seen that or the latest Avengers either. I need to get on both those. And I'm sorry. I know some people are going to be very upset with me for not having done that, especially since I write about that often. But I still need to get on that train. So what is Avengers? Okay. The two, not enough time in the podcast for this. Maybe if we have time, we'll circle back. Oh my God. I feel end. like I've been lying to my child for so all this time. I watched these movies with him, but I didn't realize Sully's that. Sully's like I, eight or nine years old, right? Like oh my God. how old is, yeah. Quit like, reminding yeah, me the oh number of years I've been lying to him. Oh Let's my get on God. with the news. Oh my gosh. All right. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a slow, I would say it was a slow news week in retail, but a big week for third house. So we do have some fun stories. We have the typical fast five, but Story number one, we're going to be a little self-serving here, and we're going to talk about the fact that we publicly announced, woohoo, for the first time this week, the opening of Third House. So the press release went out, Third House is officially open. Tell, tell us some more about that, Chris. <laughs> I sure will. So for those of you that are interested, please check us out on thirdhouse.com. But here's how Third House works, and here's the genesis of it. Basically, as we were going basically over the last couple of years, you know, and we've started the work we were doing in OmniTalk and writing all the content, the articles, the podcasts, we said to ourselves, Anne and I, we said, you know, hey, what would it take to create a physical extension of the community that we have now? And how could we continue to just amplify what we're doing for the cause of retail education and continue to educate the industry on how everything's transforming and changing? 
and to do it in a very authentic and true way and true to who we are. And so we joined forces. Uh, gosh, it was probably what last October, last November. Yeah. With Xenia Retail, who for those of you that aren't familiar, but if you follow us closely, you're pretty familiar with who they are. But they're a cloud commerce point of sale company, specialize in mobile payments and scan and go capabilities, all in the cloud. And uh, we've known them for some time, and we decided to come together and create this lab, a live retail lab and co-working space for Minneapolis, but also for the greater community uh, here in the United States and actually from our followers throughout the world. Uh, and so the way it works, the way Third House works and the way it's constructed is we have about 8,000 square feet here in Minneapolis. We're right in Linden Hills, right on the border of Minneapolis and Edina. It's a perfect location. Uh, and inside that 8,000 square feet, we do a few things. So number one, Xenia is officing out of this space. And then number two, we've actually designed the space for co-working. So you can engage with us on a monthly basis whenever you want. You can drop in, come in whenever you want on a monthly basis. You'll see there's Memberships available online at thirdhouse.com, or you can come in and just drop in uh, a few times a month as well, and you'll see that too. Uh, we also have an event space uh, and a podcast studio, which is where we're podcasting from now, and that's where we're going to do all of our content, all of our educational events, all of our networking events, our workshops, things of that nature. Uh, and for access to that, there's a, a fee of about $15 a month, and you can sign up for that and you get access and invites to all the events. And then we'll tape record and videotape as much of the content as possible to disseminate that out to the audience as well. Tape record. Did I say tape record? You oh my sure God, did. I really did. Jeez, it shows uh, you how old I am. Um, but then the most exciting piece of it all, really, that I think brings it all together is we have about 4,000 square feet of space, which is a large amount of space that we call our retail experience studio. And the purpose of the retail experience studio is to do live experiments. It's to bring retailers together with brands, with technology companies, with marketing agencies to really understand how the future of retail is going to play out, to run experiments, to do things outside the mainstream of operations, to do it live in front of consumers, but most importantly, to do it live in front of the community that believes in that cause and what we're trying to do. For sure. And I think the big news here that's relevant to the greater community, our listeners and supporters, um, is that it's really the first of its kind. We're not aware of, if, uh, but uh, really want to create this experience that hasn't really been done before going industry specific so that when you're here at Third House, it's really about networking and about learning um, and creating a place where you can you can create, you can test, you can learn. Um, and that's how we're going to move innovation forward. So yeah. And that was really the impetus for this whole idea. I mean, I, I think as Anna and I were sitting and talking for a while, like, what we were finding is we were talking to all these great people every week and where we were talking to them online or at Starbucks. And it was like, well, why don't we actually create a place for that to happen? And everyone can meet each other and that network effect can take shape. And so that's what Third House is. Please check it out. We have some exciting announcements planned here in the coming weeks as well in terms of who's joining the cause already uh, in terms of what we're trying to do. And so we're excited to bring that to you. But without further ado, this week's remaining top four stories of the week. All right, who's got the first one? Neil, how might you pay for your third house membership starting <laughs> August 6th? <laughs> uh, if I was a millennial, which I think this new product is aimed at, I would pay for it with the <laughs> Apple's, Apple's new credit card. Carter's not here, so we have to ask this. Do you think Carter has signed up for Apple's new credit card already? You guys, he was in the focus group like three years ago. Come on. I almost feel like it's a little sacrilege to have this story and the Fast Five without Carter. Without here. Carter? Yeah, it's, it's like his spirit's an apparition in front of me. But go but ahead. Continue. Sorry, Neil. I no, apologize. totally. I, I do feel like we're cheating on Carter. So apologies, Carter, <laughs> as you listen to this. Uh, <clears throat> so Apple released their new credit card. 
which seems to be focused on improving the customer experience as well as increasing transparency and security in the credit card business. Card aims to simplify understanding your spending via weekly and monthly summaries, as well as the ability to click on an expense and figure out the exact location your card was charged, which obviously, obviously often when you look back at your statement, you're like, what does that mean? There's a whole bunch of letters there about a nondescript business. You're not sure when you paid for you know, $4 at some Mike's Auto and you don't know what that means. This helps sort of demystify what your spending looks like. It also promises daily cash so you can reuse your cash back immediately, basically the next day after uh, charging your card. There's no hidden fees. There's no penalty rates for late payments. So the card seems really, as I mentioned before, to aimed at millennials and looks to position itself to undercut uh, traditional credit card providers. There's a few things that are very Apple-esque about this card. If you haven't seen it, I would Google it. It is one beautiful. It's as sleek as anything they've ever created. There's no digits on the card for security. No digits. It's mm-hmm. made of titanium. No digits. Obviously. So, obviously, it's the kind of thing that I think uh, young people would be happy to slap down at the bar or a restaurant and impress their friends. Or Scott Galloway. Or Scott Galloway, <laughs> our favorite professor at NYU Stern. I think what's really cool here is there's a there's a lot of uh, ambiguity in terms of like what your fee structure looks like, how much money you owe your credit card company because of late payments or high interest rates, and this is basically working to demystify all of that. Which I think Apple has a strong brand and cachet with many different demographic groups, and basically they're leveraging that trust uh, factor into a new line of business, which I think is actually going to do uh, pretty well for them. Interesting. Yeah, and what do you think, Carter? In fairness to Carter. I texted him knowing that we were going to do this story. And I said, a scale of one to 10, how cool is this? And Carter, I think he said like seven and a half. So he's pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take, Ann? I think it's amazing. I I was just kind of like so-so about this story until I started digging into it a little bit more. Yeah. And holy cow, it is going to be incredible. Like you can get, you get approved that day. It starts working that day. It's, you get 2% cash back on 70% of the stores that take Apple pay. Like it's just all of these benefits are piling up. And then you have the, the unbelievably slick interface that tells you, you know, this is how much if you pay this down versus not paying it down. And I think it's, they they just perfectly designed something yet again, uh, right down to as Neil said, the beautiful titanium mm-hmm. card with you know just your name on it. Yeah, transparent, authentic. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating to me. I also wonder like if it actually gets it'll, it'll get people into Apple Pay too. I think the other thing that's interesting to me is like it actually interfaces with that pretty quickly. Which getting a card into Apple Pay is not always the smoothest thing, or at least it hasn't been for me. I know some people have told me that in the past. So I think it's a cool move. I think uh, shout out to. Shout out to the folks at Apple uh, for uh, coming up with this. I think it'll be this one's going to be interesting to watch. I think especially with millennials who are probably very leery, as as some of the statistics have shown, of getting a credit card or uh, you know they're remaining unbanked. I think somebody like Apple coming in and being able to provide this is somebody they've already established a, a trusting relationship yeah. with. Um, and then again, the transparency of the the application and how you can use it. Well, Neil, you were saying yesterday as we were first talking about this story before we even picked the list it was you know you were thinking it's kind of a shot across the bow against venmo and whatnot you know what did you mean by that yeah no good question i think um tim cook <clears throat> just said if in the in the last month that um apple pay is has added more users than paypal during the same time frame uh and has growing its number of transactions double to ly so basically it really is a challenge to um Venmo, PayPal, Visa, 
Amex, literally everybody. I mean, what's what's amazing about this is really the card is only meant to be used at places that don't take Apple Pay. Right. The, it's really meant to just use your phone, Apple Pay, and just and being another source as opposed to using Apple Pay with your Visa. This now this directly goes to the uh, Apple Card itself, and, and that's start to track that really well. Exactly you know, between individuals too. Show of hands for those listening at home. Of the three of you, of the three of us, how many people send money to other individuals via Apple Pay right now? Oh, I do it all the time. Do you really? Yeah, I love it. Do you? Especially to my family members who don't have Apple Pay yet, and they're like, "God dang it! Why I, are you doing this?" It really. I only do oh, it to yeah. my buddy Al Suarez, so it's not very common yet. Neil, do you do it? I don't do it at all. No, Venmo no, still. So you're still doing that, okay? Yeah, but I think you got to think about it. So there's a lot of road to go here, then. There's a lot of road to go on the peer-to-peer, but yeah, okay. this is a total guess, but I would assume the peer-to-peer market is much smaller than the credit card transaction market, right? Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. really for Apple, the margin's yeah. going to be on getting us. And, and, and like Ann said, I mean, with millennials growing up during the Great Recession, and there's a huge distrust of debt in that demographic compared yeah. to other demographics. Yeah. This is really the company that I think uh, could lead to that. And I think one last thing on it we need to move on, but- People have always asked, why doesn't Apple or Amazon or Microsoft create their own university in terms of like systems that haven't been serving their consumers super well? Like this is a perfect example where Apple has the brand and trust where people really believe that they'll like do the right thing versus yeah. the market. So That's a really good point. I've never like in my life been like, you know, Apple screwed me over. Like, you know, I've never ever felt that. That's what? a really interesting point. Has your phone screen ever broken? And you're like, wait, don't I have Apple Pay or yeah, Apple Care? That's oh. my fault because I broke it. <laughs> I dropped it, not that's Apple. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, okay, moving on. It's a good segue, actually. That's a good segue for that. I thought this story was really interesting. And I think this one's going to engender some good conversation. But four years after its launch, the Amazon Dash button is done. Amazon has announced that it's pulling the plug on the dash button as of August 31st. The button will simply stop ordering your household essentials. What you'll get instead is a 2D version of dash buttons on Amazon's site that they've created for all current dash dash users in their app. Aren't those people lucky? (laughs) (laughs) And they will accommodate former dash orders via Echo and smart appliances like Samsung touchscreen refrigerators. I got a lot of thoughts on this one. I think this one is so cool. But what do you guys think before I jump in? I'll jump in quick before <laughs> Anne says something maybe more constructive. Chris and I were talking about this. I was like, it reminds me of that question. If a tree falls in the wood and no, woods and no one's there to hear it, does it actually make a sound? <laughs> I think majority of consumers would be like, what is the dash button? And then the others would be like, that thing still exists. Uh, a lot of marketing four years ago. Interesting idea, but didn't seem like a uh, practical use from well, my perspective. You have to have an Alexa now, basically. They're just, they're going to shut you down. So the, mm. I'll think of all these grandmas that have been using their dash buttons and now it's like, too bad you didn't get your Prime Day Alexa because now your dash buttons are going online. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, the the usage, it was so down anyway that I think, like Neil said, this is kind of a non-issue for most people. Right. Yeah, I think, I think this story to me, the reason I think this story is cool is this story is actually not about the dash button. This story is about Amazon and how they approach innovation to me. Because the dash button, four years ago, I mean, I can remember being in the halls of, I think at the time I was working at Target, like people were like, okay, this is different. This is interesting. And it, to see now four years later, it didn't work. Well, you know, who cares? 
Like, yeah. And it's cool that they stopped it, which not a lot of companies will do. You know, there's a lot of egg on your face whenever you stop something. And none of us care when Amazon stops something. We actually applaud them for it. Because we're like, okay, yeah. And the other thing that I think is really important about it from an innovation perspective is if you flash back to that time, you don't know the answers to how you want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know the answers how you want to quickly reorder your Tide. I think that was the one that was always used. And you just brought up Alexa. Like, is Alexa a better way? My personal favorite, taking out the phone and taking a picture of whatever's in my store or in my home, super easy. I did that in the Macy's floor pad a few weeks ago. Super easy. You don't know what the answers are to any of that. But the important thing is that you're running the experiments to find out what they are. Mm -hmm. And only through running the experiments do you get to the better place over time. And so that's why I love this story because the dash button shows you that it's a piece of that process. And sure, it's gone. But let's not fault them for it. Let's actually applaud them for like, wow, they're actually doing this the right way. And that's what I think is really cool. Okay. <laughs> Sold. Sold. Okay. Awesome. All right. Story number, what story More are we on now? News. Story number four. Story number four, CVS is expanding its paid membership program. So for those of you that didn't know, which includes me, uh, there's a program called Care Pass, which is $5 a month or $48 a year. Uh, and CVS is bringing it from a small market to nationwide, where basically you get free shipping on products one to two days, a pharmacy hotline, prescription drugs, and various discounts like 20% off CVS health branded prog- products. Uh, CVS also reported that members in this subscription program spend 15 to 20% more per year than non-subscribers. I think the the biggest takeaway from here is one, CVS is seeing the uh, gorilla in the room in the pharmacy business, that's Amazon with their acquisition of PillPack. And it's basically a defensive move to be like, hey, our current customer base, please don't leave us and please continue to buy your prescription drug from us and don't let Jeff Bezos and his crew steal our entire business. <laughs> uh, and I give them a lot of credit. I mean, $48 a year is probably a screaming deal when you can be like, hey, I want a toothbrush and some crackers and it's going to be here in two days or less and you're only charging me 50 bucks a year. I think it makes perfect sense. CVS gets a lot of dollars in the pharmacy business. So protecting that is extremely important. I think the only thing you would fault them for here is not doing it sooner. But beyond that, I think this is really smart to get this out before Amazon pushes the uh, pedal to the metal on the pharmacy business. So you like this? I think it makes a lot of sense. I love it. I think if you're already a CVS customer, uh, $50 a year for one to two day shipping, which means you don't have to go there 12 times a year to get your prescription anymore. I think that's a trip. And and I used to, I'll I'll tell Full disclosure, my first job ever in terms of retail was CVS, uh, Stock Boy. No. Yep. I didn't know this. Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, back room. I did the whole thing. I, you know, guys, In Michigan? In Michigan. Oh, I, my I, gosh. I've seen guys steal beer from our store, all sorts of things. It's quite the experience. We sell cigarettes, and I was like 16 years old. People also <laughs> used to buy cigarettes in insane amounts. Anyway. Oh, I, Neil, you and I could swap some stories. Wow. My first uh, retail job was at a Snyder drug store. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure we have some wow. similar stories. Yeah, I... I actually almost my first day opening up a box with a box cutter almost like uh, <laughs> ended, cut open ended my ended my watch. life. Yeah, I literally cut through my khaki pants <laughs> and almost cut my my order open. Anyway, regardless, I think it makes a lot of sense. If you worked at a CVS, you would know the amount of returned customers in terms of how often they come on, on a yeah, frequency basis. True. And Amazon's coming for pharmacy. I mean, and it it makes perfect sense for Amazon. I think CVS has basically said. 
we need to get a value prop to these people and lock them in now because once Amazon starts doing this, they're going to do it faster than us. They're going to add it to their entire ecosystem of prime benefits, and we're going to be in tough blank, you know? So yeah, I think right. they deserve a lot of credit for doing it, uh, at least now, as opposed to later. The best time was earlier. The second best time is now. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. That's a good point. So it's funny because Ann and I were talking – and for those listening, we actually don't know how everyone responds to these stories. Like, and so like sometimes we're like, and they'll just come up through the week, and we're all we were like, I wonder how Neil's gonna, f- what Neil's gonna think about this story. You know, being younger than us, and you know, m- millennial by definition. Sorry, Andy, right. yes, I know you're a millennial, but like, Thank you. he's more on that spectrum. So that's cool to hear that you're you're into this. And what's your take? I think there. It, I you think weren't it, as sold on this when we yeah, were jo- I mean, when we were throwing I it think, around. I think the problem is, is that I'm relying on personal experience, and my family doesn't really. We don't have a lot of recurring prescriptions, uh, fortunately. But I think if you did, um, it would be nice to get the things that kind of go along with some of these things. I mean, I I, I imagine that um, you're doing some repeat purchases of the other things, like Neil mentioned, inside of a CVS. That if you can set those up to arrive at the same time as your you know monthly uh, prescription, that could be of of a great value to somebody. You know, that's an interesting angle too. I hadn't thought of. You just that's why I love doing this. Like th- there's angles this I had never thought of. So I was. I think the thing I love about it, I think it's great too. Like, and I think to your point, you have to do it. Like now is the best time to do it if you haven't done it already. Like it's coming, so you got to get ready for it. But like I was, I, like I've got prescriptions that you don't necessarily have to take, but they might make your life better. And I don't end up getting them sometimes because I have to make that trip to the store. So this would help with that. But the other thing I thought of that you just made me think of is like when you're sick, mm. when do I buy it? Like True. the only time I buy Gatorade is when I'm sick and the margins on Gatorade at drugstores are probably pretty darn good. So if I can get those extra kind of catch purchases more often through this than having to go to that store, that's an interesting hook to this whole thing that I hadn't thought about too. There's a, a natural kind of inclination to buy some of those things that isn't normally there with some of your other kind of retail purchases. I- the, I, that's actually not what I was even. No, thinking. I just Gatorade, you made me think about but that. I'm but I'm curious yeah. what the what the delivery turnaround is because I mean, if, me too. Yeah, yeah if and you're the cost sick, of that, if yeah. you're sick and you need a prescription now, you still gotta go. I mean, unless you're doing like Alibaba style LMA yep. delivery in 30 minutes uh, for that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, waiting two days probably doesn't make a ton of sense. But I think it, it's taking the the same model that you know companies have been doing for a while of you know buying subscript or prescriptions 3 months at in advance and getting them sent directly to your house that's convenient now you have it you know uh, relatively quickly in a 1 to 2 yeah. day turnaround yeah, I mean, for me, it's Gatorade and Doritos. I mean, that's that's when I'm sick. I'm I'm pounding that stuff. I don't know why, but it just makes me feel. I don't better. think I don't think most doctors would suggest Picture Doritos. Of health. Yeah, nacho cheese too. Never cool ranch. All right, and <laughs> what All do you got right. for us? This and closeout of the week. You guys, Petco has announced the expansion of indoor vet services. Woo! Uh, yes, I know. So they've announced that they're going to double uh, their in-store full-service veterinary hospitals by the end of 2019. Um, and the move towards increasing these service offerings um, because of the growing retail landscape. And they're looking to provide customers another reason to come into the store beyond just purchasing products. So it'll be... Um, Offered across 21 states by the end of this year, which I think is a brilliant move. Honestly, I think it's just this theme that we keep seeing over and over again of taking a retailer 
and thinking first about the services that make sense to provide in the space and then injecting the right retail into those services. We talked about it with Lululemon. We've talked about it with Crate and Barrel. We've talked, I mean, everybody's combining these like plus ones of the experience. And I think what the trend is going to continue and we are going to keep seeing retailers focus on what what are people already doing and how do I just make that experience better by putting my product in there versus trying to be like this, um, you know, uh, Crate and Barrel is actually probably the best example that I can yeah. think of off the top right. of my head right now where it's like, we're going to create the Crate and Barrel restaurant. Like that does not make sense. But if you put your product into places that people are already seeing it and it's just like a, this added touch to your experience, that's going to make me want to buy Buy, buy more of your products and i think it's taking discovery into the physical sense like you're it, the same way you're discovering something on instagram you're discovering you know the crate and barrel fork that you're eating with at a new uh, high-end restaurant yeah i think it's awesome i think you think about um retail in five to ten years physical retail it's like why would i go into a store that's the question we've been asking ourselves for years now since the rise of amazon and if you look at how chewy.com has come into the scene and really dominated the online marketplace it's like why would i go to a pet smart which is like a giant warehouse or a pet co uh which is the story that we're talking about here and put that energy into a trip get my dog into the car or not, and, and all of that chaos versus just have Chewy send it straight to my house or Amazon or somebody else for that matter. And this is just another reason to think about these spaces as more as just warehouses with full of products, you know? And so I think, uh, if anything, they should do more, but uh, they deserve a lot of credit for doubling their current status to, I think, 111 locations, which across... United States, kind of the United States is pretty significant. Yeah, I kind of, it just made me think of like what's happening in the grocery space. Like if you take a giant, I mean, Petco box is pretty big. What is that? Like oh, yeah. a few I'd thousand say, square feet or something? Like I, I mean, a Petco, I'd probably say it's at least 20 to 30,000. 20 to I don't know for no, sure, but yeah, but like be if, my guess. If you think about a Petco experience outside of the actual pets that you probably can't automate pick and pack, <laughs> uh, but like pet food that sucks to bring out to your car, like all yep. those other things toys like if you're you're basically repeat buying that stuff so why do you need a floor pad full of it if you take some of that and you're putting other experiences like vet services or like a a cafe for people to be meeting or coffee place where they can meet with their pets Mm -hmm. like you you got to play to your environment and to your customers yeah the kitchens remember the one in new york they were yeah it wasn't the same guys doing the kitchens and stuff yeah no I, i think this is great i mean for those of you that know me well i love this story as a dog lover and then i love this story as I think what Anne said, it's like everyone talks about experience, but like what are the experiences that really work within the flywheel and that are synergistic to what you do on a daily basis? And this is it. And then this is so I, I applaud them for doing this. I think it makes a ton of sense. And again, to you, I think when though and the, the key there too is when you find though they're not easy to find. In fact, it's probably easier to find things that don't work. You know, like the crate and barrel example. Let's use that again potentially. But when you find those examples that really fit that. And then also, if you can say, does doing it save people time and make things more convenient? And make it more enjoyable or create an experience out of Mm -hmm. a repeat dog food purchase. It really works. Because at the end of the day, we're all time starved and we only have so much time we can devote to anything. And so if we can take our, if we can get to the vet faster, it's closer to us. We know where to go. We don't even have to put the mental energy into the Google search because we just know pets, you know, Petco around the country has these, then that works. And that makes sense. 
It's a psychological recall. All right, enough of my soapbox today <laughs> on innovation in Amazon and pets. Uh, this has been awesome. I love it's great, Carter. We miss you dearly. We miss you dearly. Tried to bring you in as much as we could, but that closes us up. Thanks, of course, to everyone out there for sticking with us. Be sure to check out thirdhouse.com if you haven't already. And also, please like, review, and subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, on really any platform of your choosing. But every difference makes a difference. Every rating, review, like, subscription helps us to continue to provide the content we provide to you each and every week. And of course, as always, be careful out there.